church, I, I'll let you know right now that, uh, uh, just, just full disclaimer, we, we won't really get into uh, the main part of our lesson on today, uh, really because I, I, I don't think I'll have or do uh, the message justice uh, based on the time that I do have. Uh, and that's not to say that 30 minutes is not enough time, but sometimes 30 minutes is not enough time. Uh, but, 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 but I want to do some diligence in, in setting up uh, for this message that I hope that I could come to and conclude on next week. I want to share some thoughts with you this morning as I, as I took into consideration just, uh, you know, a myriad of things that we've been going through and brethren have been experiencing just, you know, in the past week and, and, and stuff like that. I, I wanted to, to, to share a word of encouragement with us, not, not to put us in, into a spirit of you know, a downer, but to really try and motivate us as we think about the way that God operates in certain spaces and in certain situations. And I, I, I've really concluded as I think about just uh, this brief exhortation, I say brief exhortation, but that is really preacher language for a full sermon. Uh, as I think about this brief uh, exhortation, I want us to appreciate that there are some places, and I want you to think physical places, but of course we're going to make some application as to these places in terms of our own lives and living when it comes to the Christian faith. But there are some places, some specific spaces that God through scripture would have allowed his people to go into, uh, and the entire purpose was to refine them, to, to strengthen them, to, to make their faith more genuine and to make their faith more strong. When we think about some of these places that we find that the people of God, men and women of God would have ultimately found themselves, we find that at times the, the men and women of God would have made their way into fiery spaces and fiery places. Now, as I make these statements, again, I want to reiterate the fact that these are literal places based on situations that these men and women of God would have encountered in their lives. Many of us, for example, will not be thrown into a fiery furnace. But when you think about the three Hebrew boys, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. Many of us are blessed to not live or dwell in a wilderness for 40 years. Many of us don't have to go into a desert place and wander around for 40 years and, and, and have God, uh, you know, feed us with manna and give us quail and, and have us drink from a, a, a rock and, and, and have our, 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 the clothes that we left in our journey, you know, not, not change and the sandals on our feet not wither away. But I want us to appreciate that these were physical places that men and women of God would have endured and gone through and encountered. But for us, these are places of learning. So we may not go through, I don't know about you, but I've never been into a burning fiery furnace. I've been close to an incinerator before, but I have never enjoyed being inside a burning fiery furnace. That is not to say that we can't learn some valuable lessons as we see men and women of God having encountered these things. And so when we think about some places that the people of God would have had to 
find themselves in, and we think of some spaces that, that they ultimately had to endure, there, there are some places and spaces specifically, I think, that as we think about what God would have been doing in his people throughout Scripture, I believe it's beneficial for us who are Christians even today in the 21st century. First of all, I want us to appreciate that God would have utilized fire as a means of testing the faith and, show, and, 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 and freeing the people of God at times of their distress. What do you mean, Brother Morgan? Well, in the book of Daniel, chapter number 3, and I, I said this was going to be an exhortation, so in the book of Daniel, chapter number 3, we encounter this scene. And the scene really is these children of Israel, they are under uh, 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 Babylonian captivity. And, and, and in this particular scene, in Daniel chapter number 3, we encounter three Hebrew boys. You know them. It's, it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, when I was growing up, my, my tongue was a little bit heavy. It was hard for me to say Abednego. So I used to say a billy goat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't, don't laugh at me. <laughs> but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in this scene, we understand, I, I won't have time to read it, but in this scene, uh, the king Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up a, a huge image. And he comes up, with a decree. Now, I need for us to appreciate at the, at the base of this decree wasn't something that Nebuchadnezzar came up with. It was, uh, as a matter of fact, it, it, it was his priests and his advisors trying to show Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up, trying to get them in trouble. So they come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, King, you know, you've done such a marvelous job. You've done such a great thing. And, and so what you should do is... At a certain point in the day when you play the harp and the, and the lyre is playing and all these instruments start to play, you should command and you should, uh, you should decree that every single person that hears the sound of these instruments should bow themselves down to this image. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, oh, that sounds good. Of course, you don't read that in the text. I'm just kind of giving some suppositions. Oh, that sounds good. And, and so that's what I'll do. And so the decree is made that when they hear at certain points in the day these, these instruments being played, that everyone should bow down and worship this image. But as you look at, at chapter number three in the book of Daniel, you would, you would realize that these three Hebrew boys were determined not to bow down, not to give in, to the demands and the decree of a foreign king serving a foreign God. I think there is something there for us even today when we think about the, the day and the time that we are living in because not because we are under the rule of governments and politicians, not every single ruling that comes from government and, and governmental officials is good for the man and woman of God to submit themselves to. In the day of Jesus' time, they, they had a problem paying taxes. Jesus said, listen, if, 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 if you have to pay taxes, if it belongs to Caesar, give it to Caesar. But the things that belong to God belong to God. In other words, there are things that as far as the Christian is concerned, when it comes to the government, we submit to. But there are some things, church, that when it comes to the government, if the, if the commandments of the government goes against the commandments of God, it doesn't matter what they say, we need to stand firm. 
And so I appreciate the fact as we look at this particular text, this, the, you, you, I, I want us to see this because if, if you have your Bibles open, I want you to recognize that as you look at this text, here, here is the difference now between what you see in Daniel chapter 3 and what we see today. In Daniel chapter 3, these three Hebrew boys took a stand. They, they didn't pick it. They didn't go around with, with signs that, that had shameful things on it. They, they didn't have shirts that, that, that tried to shame people. Uh, you, you know, if, if you guys stand here going to... It, it wasn't that they took a stand based on their own personal devotion and relationship with God. I, I think the people of God could learn something from that because in as much as we, we, we stand firm against certain things, we don't have to pick it and, and have placards and say hurtful and shameful things to make the people who are on the other side of the spectrum may feel any old way. When we stand for something, we stand for something in the sight of God. Could we, could we, could we, could we, could we conclude something? That the world will do what the world does. Did, did you... The world will act how the world acts. The world would adhere to what the world adheres to. The people of God, however, are different. So it does not matter what the leader of the land says. If the decree goes against the will and the command of God, we need to be able to lock arms and stand firm. We will not bow down. So notice, they didn't make a public display, but eventually they would be put on display. When the people of God, when the church stands firm in the 21st century against all of the issues that we have in, 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 in society and in, in, in this world, when we stand firm and we do so genuinely, we don't, again, we don't have to make a, 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 this, these big, bold statements just by our faith. We don't have to be, uh, make a display, but we will eventually be put on display. So when we stand firm in the commands of God... We don't have to try to be seen. I know what we say sometimes. Well, if the people of God stay quiet, then, then there's going to be no change. That, I, I understand what you're saying, but we don't have to look like the world in order to affect the type of change that is necessary. The way that the people of God affect change is through diligent prayer. The way that the people of God affect change is by whole submission to Almighty God. The way that the people of God affect change is by loving those who are laden and found in sin. The way that the people of God affect change is by worshiping God wholeheartedly. The way that people of God affect change is by giving their entire lives to the very command and will of Almighty God. I think sometimes we get too busy and, and caught up in the things of this world to the neglect of the calling that God has placed on our lives. Church, God has given us a call to save souls. And if we're not doing everything humanly possible to do this, just that, then we aren't doing our job. Paul would conclude, I have become all things to, to all men that perhaps, if perhaps I might just save but some, if not but one. In, in other words, I need to subject myself and submit myself and humble myself to different people at different times so that I could get close enough to share Christ with you. But if all you hear from me is, is condemnation, if all you hear from me is judgment, you won't even listen to me when I talk to you about the love of Christ. 
I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you right now that they had a problem. These Christ and the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus because Jesus didn't look the part. The scribes and the Pharisees had issues with Jesus because Jesus didn't bear the type of image that they felt or they thought he should have borne. He didn't look like a Messiah should have. He didn't look like a Lord should have. He didn't look the part of a king. But Jesus wasn't concerned with what they thought. He was concerned about the heart and the souls of all human beings. So Jesus would sit with publicans and sinners. Jesus would sit with the drunkards. Jesus would sit with the fornicators. Jesus would sit with the idolaters. Jesus would sit with those who were laden in sin and marginalized. Jesus would sit and he would eat with them. He would show compassion. He would heal them and he would bring them into fellowship and communion with God. I think if we have to be honest with ourselves, when we look at what the fire, fiery places represent, it represents a place of freedom for the people of God as we stand firm in our belief and our faith. What do you mean, preacher? Well, in Daniel chapter number three, if you remember this text really well, uh, uh, when, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't bow themselves down to, uh, to the image, then, then the king became so irate, he became so angry that he decided that he was going to kill these, these young men, these three young men by fire, not just normal fire. I need for you to see how irate this man was. He said, listen, I need for you to get that fiery furnace, start it up, light it up, and let it become several times hotter than it is accustomed to. Get some men of valor. I need you to read the text. Get some chosen men, some, some certain men of valor. Why would you need your elite soldiers to take up three young Hebrew boys? There is a fact that these young men, they, 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 they had God with them, and so he knew there was something already special about them. I need for you to understand that when the devil sends his minions against you and I, church, he isn't sending the lowly minions, he sends the best that hell could offer. And so here it is, he becomes so irate, he becomes so hurt, he becomes so enraged that he decides, I'm going to get this fiery furnace. It was already hot, but I'm going to get it that much more hot. I'll bind them. The scripture, if you read it very quickly, he, he, he binds them in rage. He, he bounds them up and he doesn't allow them to take off their, their tunics. He doesn't allow them to take off their turban. He doesn't allow them to take a change of clothing. He doesn't allow them to say, bind them up immediately. And throw them into the fiery furnace. We understand that the soldiers who went in, they didn't come out. That's how hot the furnace was. But if you come really quickly with me, I want you to see this in verse number 21 of chapter number 3 of the book of Daniel. Because I need to hasten to bring this thing to a close. In verse number 21 of chapter number 3, then these men were bound in their coats their trousers, their turbans, and their, all the other garments, and were cast into, I want you to notice this word, in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Say midst. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, 
and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst, say midst, of the fire they answered and said oh king that's true look he answered i see four loose walking in the midst say midst come on say midst in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is likened unto the son of man church i need for us to see that in the fire if you get anything out of this, understand this. The fire isn't meant to hurt you. The fire is meant to make you holy. The devil wants to kill you, but God wants to make you strong. The devil wants to frustrate you, but God wants to refine our faith. So the fire for the devil might be an attempt to destroy, but the fire for the child of God is a means of freedom. They were bound into the furnace. They were gagged and they were thrown into the furnace. But notice, when they got into the furnace, the only thing that was burnt and singed was the thing that was holding them down. Isn't it amazing that sometimes when we go through our fires... We, we, we become loose from the shackles of tradition. Isn't, isn't it amazing that when we go into the fire and we, we, we see our God, the Anifas that appreciate that God is with us, not just outside of the furnace, but he's there with us while the fire is raging too. So you could sing before you go into this furnace. You could surely sing while you are in the furnace. But guess what happens when you come out? Could anybody sing as loudly as you when the doctor gave you a certain diagnosis and you, you were able to beat it? Could anybody sing as loudly than you that when for a number of years you were struggling with alcoholism or whatever the case might be and God brought you out? Could anybody sing and shout harder than you when God brought you through your fiery furnace? Fire isn't meant to kill you. It's meant to, to set you free. Free from doubt, free from shame, free from yourself, free from pride. It's, it's meant for us to see God in all of his glory. Before we see God face to face in heaven, I'm telling you, if you just stand in faith in your fire, you will see God work in your life like never before. This is just a supposition. This is just my opinion. You don't see this anywhere in the book of Daniel or in the text, but I want to show you this. Inasmuch as we see God would have worked in the lives of these three Hebrew boys at the beginning of this book, this is the first time we actually see a representation of God showing up with them presently, physically. 
They prayed to God, they fasted, and they didn't eat of, of, of the king's meat. And, and so you, you know how that went. They, they just took some lentils and they drank some water. And, and, they, and their disposition and their health was far better than every single other person in, in Babylon. You didn't see God necessarily show up as he did in chapter 3 when they are in the midst of the fire. Because of their faith, God shows up and he says, listen, the fire will not consume you. The fire will not burn you. But what it will do is it will free you. I know God was able to do this with them because God was able to do it before. You remember in, in Exodus chapter number three? You remember in Exodus chapter number three, here is Moses, and Moses, at this point in time, he's in the wilderness. He would have run from Egypt where he was after he strikes down, strikes down an Egyptian, and he makes his way into the wilderness. There he finds a young lady, and he gets married. The, uh, the, his father-in-law name is, 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 is Jethro, and so here in a place called Midian, uh, at a certain point in time, he sees this image. He, he sees this thing. It, it's, it's astonishing to him. And he says to to the, to the shepherds and the rest of the herdsmen, listen, guys, you all stay here. I, I need to go and see this great sight because I'm seeing a bush that's consumed by fire, but the thing is not being burnt up. And so we understand, as you look at that particular text, let's understand that God is able to use the fire to refine. God is able to use the fire to call. God is able to use the fire to free. God is even able to use the fire to heal. Sometimes it's not the physical thing that needs healing, it's the mental thing. Sometimes it's not the physical distress or ailment that needs curing, it's the emotional part of us. Sometimes, if not all the time, it's, it's not the physical person that needs to be made whole, it's the spiritual person within us. And so God will use the fire, church. He will use the fire to refine Come with me really quickly, if you don't mind, as I, as I hasten. Come with me really quickly into the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to see this really quickly. 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'll read from verse number 3 through verse number 9. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Peter would write there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice this. To an inheritance that is incorruptible, it is undefiled, it does not fade away, and it is reserved, say reserved, <laughs> It's reserved. That means that seat is there for you and you alone. It means that crown. Nobody else could wear that crown. Nobody else has access to that robe. Nobody else has access to this room or to this space or to this spot. It's reserved in heaven for you and for me. And so as he goes on, he says, look at verse number six. He says, in, in verse number five, somebody, sorry, he says, who are kept hmm, by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, he says, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be that you are in grievous or various types of distresses or trials. 
But then he gets down to verse number seven. This is where it gets good. This is where the fire is. He says that the genuineness or the testing of your faith being much more precious than that of gold which perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise. Say praise. And honor. Say honor. And the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The fire isn't meant to destroy. The fire is meant to refine. So as Peter alludes to this fire and this process of purification, I know we know this, but let me just illustrate this really quickly and we'll be done. The, the, the process of refining gold is a really interesting and vivid one. Truth be told, it, it's quite violent if, if we're being honest. You take the, the ore and the ore, the gold in its raw form, doesn't look like the things we, we, we have on as jewelry. If you didn't know what to look for, you would, you would take up a gold nugget of some sort, you will take up some ore and you would just cast it away as far away from you as you could think because you won't know how valuable the thing is in your hand that you hold. Praise be to God that God knows each of our values. And as he takes us up, we, we don't look pretty. We don't, we don't look good. We, we are deformed in all different forms and fashions. But he knows our value. And he wants to get to the genuine aspect of who we are. But in order to get to the core and the realness of who we are, the sincerity of who we are, he has to put us through the fire. So when you're making gold, you, you take it and you put it. In, on a plate and you, you set it into a furnace and the furnace is lit a fire and it's lit ablaze and, and as, the, as, as, as the rock itself, it melts, the, it, on top of it looks black and so what you would do, you would pull the tray out and with much care you would, you would scrape the top of, of, of the tray with all that black stuff and, and you throw it away and, and the gold isn't pure yet, you have to go back again but the second time that you put it in, it can't be at the same heat and intensity as the first time around and he first appreciate that. Because in as much as we go through trial and suffering and distress, I'm telling you, every single time we go through a form of distress, the, the, the latter is always heavier and weightier than the former. That's how we get refined. And so the process resumes and we have to go back in again a second time and the, the fire has to be that much hotter than the first time. And guess what happens? The impurity comes up and rises to the top and when the tray is pulled out, guess what we have to do? We have to skim the top and we get all the impurities off and we, we, we throw that into the bin and we go again because we want to get the purest goal that is humanly possible. And in the process, in order to, to really get it good, you, you not only light the, the furnace or light the fire as hot as you could possibly get it, but now you add some, some poison to the mix. And so you throw it inside the furnace there, and uh, again, as the heat takes it, the impurities rise to the top. Anybody here ever, ever found themselves thinking things they ought not to think when you're going through your fiery furnace? Anybody here, when you're going through your difficulty and you're going through your fiery furnace, anybody here ever act, act ways that they ought not to act when you're going through your fiery furnace? Anybody here, when you're going through your moments of frustration, things come out your mouth, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the old man or woman that comes out. Anybody here? That's the impurities coming up to the top. And God is saying, when you see the impurities, scrape it off. 
Don't beat yourself up too much when, when you slip and you revert and you fall prey to the flesh. That's what the fire is intended to do. Well, I thought I was holy until I went through this. And then all of a sudden you're using all sorts of superlatives and, and adjectives, the likes of which you haven't used since you were a teenager. You're using bar language and foul language and your attitude has shifted. Why is that? I thought I was a faithful man and woman of God. Yes, but I need to test that faith. So I have to put it through the fire sometimes. Men and women of God, don't be too frustrated with yourself and don't get too frustrated with others. When it is, when we go through the fire, we see the impurities come up. That's what the fire is supposed to do. But then comes Jesus, then comes God, then comes the Holy Spirit, and by the grace and mercy of the brethren, we, we help the impurities to be skimmed off from the top. In other words, Jesus, Jesus would say, don't be too quick to judge because I'm just working on Daniel. Don't, don't be too quick to judge because I'm just working on Patterson. Don't be too quick to judge because I'm just working on Chuck. I, I know deep down inside, David was, 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 was described as a man after God's own heart. Notice what he did with Bathsheba. He was a man after God's own heart. He, he had a purpose and a heart for God. But when, when he went into his fire, here comes the, the impurity that makes its way up to the top. And so the fire isn't meant. You guys with me? I'm almost done. The fire isn't meant to kill. It's meant to free. The fire isn't meant to destroy. It's meant to refine. Maybe you might be in a situation with your family, your, your marriage, that you're going through a fire right now. I want to suggest to you that the fire has the ability to unearth the impurities. But notice, in any good contrast, you have a negative, but also a positive. The impurities, and I'll be done, the impurities are clearly seen because that's what's on the top. So in your marriage, when you're going through your, your ups and your downs and, uh, and you're going through your trials and your problems, it's easy, for you, and it's easy for us to see the problems because that's what's on the top. But I, I, I dare you to allow Jesus and the Holy Spirit to help you skim the top. Because what you will find at the, in the base of that is the genuine nature of the person and the relationship. So I want to suggest to us that God uses fire to refine us. God uses fire to test us. God uses fire to prove us. And finally, God uses fire to free us. Church, I want to encourage you as you go through your fires, allow God's Holy Spirit to envelop you. Allow the words of Scripture to take control of your heart and take control of your life and stand firm in the assurance that says, I will not bow down to the things of this world because the God that I serve, he is able to deliver me. And even if he doesn't take me out of this fiery furnace, I still, I still, I still 
will not bow down. Let's all stand. Let's all stand as together we sing our song.